During a time of great stress, disorder, and distress, Winston Churchill challenged his nation to sacrifice. And he warned them, it will take blood, sweat, and tears. And he called forth from them to sacrifice, not only for their own well-being, but for the well-being of their nation. And a people gathered together and they sacrificed. And they helped one another. And they came through the disasters and renewed their nation. Character grows with challenge. Sometimes it requires sacrifice. But in the midst of it, character grows and develops. We find a beautiful example in Scripture of God challenging one of His servants to make a great sacrifice. And the Scriptures describe for us that sacrifice and how God used it in the life of Abraham to grow and to mature his faith and his character. The scriptures that I handed out to you describe it in that first passage. Genesis 22, 1 through 14. I'll read it. You follow along as I read. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! 
And he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And if you're reading your scriptures, it might say Jehovah Jireh there. That is what the word means. Jehovah Jireh means God sees, God will provide. A startling story from Scripture. Abraham faced many tests of his faith. First of all, back in Ur of the Chaldees, his first challenge of faith was to believe God because he worshipped idols. And God came to him and said, Follow me, and I will take you to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you there a great nation. So the very first test of faith that Abraham faced was to trust God. And then he trusted God for the land that God would show him. And he went and God showed him the land. And then God had told him he would have a son. And years passed, and years passed, and years passed, and years passed. Twenty-five years passed after God first called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. When God told him he would have offspring, 25 years passed without a child. Oh, he had Ishmael. But that wasn't the promise that God had given to him. God had promised him a son through his wife, Sarah. Then one day, God came and said, At this time next year, you'll have your son. That time next year came, and they had their son. And Sarah and Abraham rejoiced in the birth of their son. And they rejoiced to such an extent, they named him Isaac, which in the Hebrew means laughter. Abraham had reached a hundred. His wife had reached ninety. Well beyond normal human reproductive ages. But God was faithful to his promise. And now God gives him the most severe test of all. Sacrifice that son, that promised son, that one that I gave you. I want him, and I want you to go to the mountain, and I will show you. You go there, and you sacrifice that son to me. Notice Abraham's response on how he had matured in his faith the next morning. The next morning. He didn't wait a week. He didn't think about it a month. He didn't say, well, I'm going to pray about this to make sure this is what God wants me to do. The next morning, he got up early in the morning, prepared his son, prepared a donkey, took two young men with him, and they set out for the place to sacrifice Isaac. Only one who knew of the ultimate plan was Abraham. The others were familiar with sacrifices that Abraham had made over the years. They had seen him sacrifice lambs. And so when he said we were going to go and sacrifice, they had some knowledge of what that meant. 
That's why when they got to the mountain and started up the mountain without the lamb, it caused Isaac to say, where's the lamb? (laughs) We need a lamb for the sacrifice. Where is it? We don't have one. And Abraham believed God. Right up to the point of taking the knife and ready to lay it on the neck of his son. His beloved son. And God said, no, no, don't take the life. I trust you. Abraham's faith did not waver. Steadfast to the very end. God spared Isaac. We see another development of character in this same passage of scripture, and that's the son, Isaac. Isaac did not know when they left the house that Abraham intended to sacrifice him on the sacrifice. He didn't know that. He didn't know that, in fact, until they got on top of the mountain. And Abraham had built the altar and he laid the wood upon the altar that he had placed on the back of Isaac to carry up the hill. Isaac still looking, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Can you imagine what must have gone through the mind not only of Abraham but of Isaac when Abraham finally revealed to him, my son, you are the offering? I'm going to bind you and put you on the altar and I'm going to sacrifice you. And do you notice Isaac's willingness and cooperation with his father to become the sacrifice? Neither the father nor Isaac could understand why God would ask such a sacrifice of them. But they believed God. They trusted Him. And God said to do this, and we don't understand at all, but God said to do it, so we will obey. And Abraham's faith, in fact, had reached such an extent that the Scriptures tell us that he believed that God would raise him from the dead. You find that reference on the sheet that I gave you, Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to refer to it because it not only it centers mainly upon the faith of Abraham but there's also included in that the faith of Isaac who trusted his father and who trusted his heavenly father. For we read from Hebrews 11 verses 17 to 19 By faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his own son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall all your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In Abraham's mind, he was a dead son, is what it's saying. In Abraham's mind, he slew his son, because he is at the very verge of placing the knife into the life of his son when the angel stopped him. He had reached a degree of faith where he believed, I don't understand why God wants me to slay my son and to offer him, but God will bring him back from the dead because he said he's the one. 
and Isaac in cooperation with his father and with his heavenly father believed him as well believed God and trusted him oh such a test of faith we find running along parallel with these two examples of Abraham and of Isaac a revelation of God and God's character and God's nature far different from what oft times we think of God it reveals to us God as the sovereign God God can do what he wants we don't like to think that way do we we like to think I'm in charge I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it how I want to do it as long as I have health and strength to do it and oftentimes we come to loggerheads with God because sometimes God wants something in our lives that we don't want it's distasteful to us we don't understand it God hasn't taken the time to explain it all to us and we have questions and doubts and fears God doesn't have to explain anything to us God is sovereign and he had a perfect legitimate right to come to Abraham and say I want your son he had that right because he's God he's God he has the right and we oftentimes struggle in our own lives why did God permit this in my life I remember a number of years back going through some very deep troubling experiences in my own life questioning wondering why why is God doing this why is God permitting this in my life and I remember going to my father one day a godly man and a great example to me and I went to him dad you know why is God permitting this in my life and his instantaneous response was why not why not is there anything special and unique about you that you don't have to endure some difficulty and some hardship and some testing at his hand why not why not indeed God is sovereign God is sovereign and you find yourself in your life as you are today because God is sovereign he may not explain to you everything that you would like to understand about your circumstances but God is sovereign and he is in charge of your life we notice another interesting thing about God's character revealed to us here and it's this God is gracious God doesn't have to do what he does do and when God does what he does it's in grace it's in kindness sometimes it's in justice sometimes we deserve what we get <laughs> because he is judging us he is correcting us he is fixing us conforming us into more godly character and that hurts but it's for our good 
And we find God displayed here as a God of grace. At the very moment when Abraham stood ready to plunge the knife into his son and take his life, God in grace said, stop. Stop. There's a a lamb over there. Bring the lamb. Offer the lamb instead of your son. That's grace. That's grace. Unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't earn the good things that you have in your life today. The good things that God does for you on a day-to-day basis. You, God just gives them to you. Food. Oh, such abundant food we have in our land. We have more one meal than many people around the world have a whole day, some of them a whole week. We have it in one meal. God is gracious to us. We have health, we have strength, we have freedom in our land. That's grace. God has given it to us. We haven't earned it, we don't deserve it. God proved here to Abraham and to Isaac his grace. Then he showed another thing about himself. God doesn't expect man to try and save himself. Man can't save himself. Only God can save us. And at this time in God's revelation and his plan of redemption, he had only revealed to them the substitution of a lamb on behalf of mankind. That's all they knew at this time. And God provided a lamb that they could sacrifice. And God accepted the sacrifice of the lamb on behalf of Isaac. Why would God give us this record and move Moses, the author of this record, to write it? And why would God preserve it down through the centuries into our day? He wants us to see his character. God began to reveal himself to his creation in the garden in Eden. And all throughout history, through the centuries, God has continued to reveal himself. And this was one way that God could reveal himself in very tangible, understandable fashion. Truth about his character and his nature. He also wanted us to see how we are to respond back to God. Because we see it demonstrated in both Abraham and in Isaac. He wants us to trust him. Trust him without fully understanding everything? Yes. Trusting him even though we don't know why he wants us? Yes. Absolute faith and trust in God and him alone. He also wants us to realize that we can't save ourselves. We need a substitute. We need someone who will take that burden and that punishment on our behalf. And he did it through the demonstration of the sacrifice of Isaac 
and then of the substitution of the ram. What connection do these events have with Jesus Christ and God's purposes of redemption? Well, we must remember and remind ourselves that back when God created all things, He created them good. Very good. Without fault without sin, without error. And he wanted his glory to spread throughout all the earth. And as he ultimately created man, Adam and Eve, he gave to them the charge to go throughout all the earth and to replenish the earth and to take the glory of God throughout all the earth. They sinned. They took of the forbidden fruit And when they sinned, it plunged them into sin and separation from God. The beginning of death. God does not set his plans aside and go to plan B or plan C when plan A doesn't work. It's always plan A. God set in motion in the Garden of Eden after the sin of Adam and Eve. He set in motion a plan to restore the earth back to its original creation. To restore man back to fellowship with God. To reconcile sinners back to God that they might again fellowship with Him on the earth. And God began to reveal that in various ways. The very first way he promised to Adam and Eve, a a child, a seed of the woman, who would crush the head of the serpent. And then in various ways God revealed how he would do that. And yes, this passage of scripture reveals again some pictures that help us understand this ultimate plan of redemption from God. For in the relationship between Abraham and his son and the sacrifice, we get a picture of the father and his son. As Abraham sacrificed his son, his son of love, his beloved son, so God the father sacrificed his son and gave his son and that reference you find on the sheet from John 3.16 and many of us know God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life as Isaac obeyed his father and willingly offered himself in sacrifice on the altar on Mount Moriah. In obedience to his father and in faith and trust upon his father, so Jesus offered himself in obedience to the father. And we find those references here, just a couple of them. We find from the Gospel of of John, it says, I do as the father commanded me that the world may know that I love the Father. 
And then the second reference from John 15, we read, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. In obedience, Jesus came and offered himself. We find that Jesus did it willingly, just as Isaac offered himself willingly. Jesus came willingly. We see that recorded for us in Hebrews 10, 6-9. We read, In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. As it is written of me in the scroll of the book, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I come to do your will. Jesus willingly left the heavenly glories with his Father, took upon him human flesh that he might become the sacrifice that his father required. There's another picture here of the Lord Jesus, and that's the ram. Jesus was described as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus himself is is described as saying from 1 Corinthians 15.3 It's not on your sheet, but I'll just, just make reference to it. It says that Christ came that he might die for our sins. A substitute. He had no sin for which he needed to suffer. He came and suffered on behalf of people like you and like me. We could not save ourselves any more than Isaac's sacrifice, Abraham's Sacrifice of his son Isaac on the altar could somehow satisfy God. No. It takes a substitute. And God made provision, abundant provision, in his son Jesus, who came willingly, obediently, sacrificed and took upon him the penalty that you and I deserve. And he suffered that penalty that he might reconcile back to God sinners like you and me. So this record we read from centuries ago of the sacrifice of Isaac by his father and the substitution of the ram on behalf of Isaac, we see a description not only of character and the development of Abraham and Isaac, we see not only a revelation of God and his nature, but a picture of what God has provided for people like you and me and his son. Now, because God has revealed to us, not only in his word by description and by picture, the provision of his son Jesus, and the demands that he has upon us to believe him and to trust him, we must turn from our self-reliance. We must turn from reliance upon anyone else or anything else and trust the provision that God has made for us. That's Jesus. And trust him. And find in trusting him 
reconciliation back to God. How does that work? A mystery. A mystery. Much of life is mysterious, isn't it? This is a mystery. It's a work that God does in us that when we come to faith in Christ and trust Him as God said to, something transpires in our lives that God Himself does. He gives to us new life. He washes away our sin. And He reconciles us back to Himself. So that now we can fellowship with God even as God designed it when He made us. How will you respond? For some of us, it's great comfort. It's great comfort to hear this story and to contemplate what God has done because we have come to Christ. We have trusted Him. And we have found true in our own lives the fulfillment of the promises that He's made throughout Scripture by picture and in a variety of means that when you come to Christ, He gives us new life. Life changes. We become new creatures. If you have yet to come to Christ, then I call upon you to do that today. Come to Him. Trust Him. But I don't understand it all. That wasn't the question. The question was, come in faith. Trust Him. Abraham didn't understand it all. Isaac didn't understand it all. There are mysteries about the relationship of faith in Jesus Christ and His Son and all of the things that He's provided for us that we will never fully understand in our lives. So for you to try and understand it all before you come and trust just simply keeps putting it off. Put it off no longer. Trust Him today. And begin to experience that new life that he promised. When we come in faith and trust in his son. I pray that the spirit of God will bring that into your life today. And cause you and give you the faith to believe. And to trust. And to find in your experience the fulfillment of his promise. Let's close with prayer, shall we?